Welcome back, The Lighter Side, Joe Gramatico and Tom Kaliopoulos. And on today's show, a special show, as we're doing our first community request given to us by Gio Trapani. So, Gio, thanks for your support and, and you're listening to our show regularly and chiming in in our conversations. So, for Gio, today we're doing the greatest Con Smythe snubs of all time. And I guess you call Gio the uh, the connoisseur, the expert on the Con Smythe. That's his go-to topic. And he he put us to the challenge to, to put a list of the top five together. So hopefully uh, this show lives up to his expectations, Tom. Joe, a lot of pressure there. I know Gio, and he's, like I said, the Con Smythe master. Uh, so like I said, this is a tribute to Gio, and uh, we hope you're listening. Uh, let's get ready and uh, let's talk about some Con Smythe snub. All right, let's do it. You know, speaking of Con Smythe, he might get uh, snubbed himself. He's a uh, the topic. Is it uh, Simmons, a Canadian broadcaster, bringing up that uh, they should rename the Con Smythe Trophy? So we'll get this topic in uh, before he gets snubbed, and there's no Con Smythe to talk about. Yeah, it seems that's going around. You got statues coming down, and you know, people don't value uh, history, whether it's good or bad. And to me, it's the only thing you, you know, a barometer you can learn from, really. So uh, to remove it, you're kind of hindering that process. But this trophy, Joe, has been ex- in existence almost 50 years, and uh, it was uh, brought in, and uh, they could almost rename it if, if now that you discussed that, uh, they could name it the Ken Dryden Award because it seems like that guy, you know, he got snubbed quite a bit in the, uh, with those great Canadian teams in the late 70s, even though Kenny won it in 1971. Uh, he could have had it a few more times from 76 to 79, but he got slighted because of a great defensive core in front of him. And, uh, you know, but that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, and I'm going to start it off. Uh, these are no particular order. I We're going to run about maybe four or five snubs here. And, uh, you know, I, there could be 20 or 30 that we could talk about. Um, but we're going to uh, kind of jump all over the map here. We're going to go. I'll start it in 1968. Um, the winner of that uh, Con Smythe was a goaltender named Glenn Hall. Uh, Mr. Goalie was his nickname. Late in his career, he he uh, backstopped a St. Louis uh, expansion team that made four straight cup appearances, and I believe this was the second or first or second uh, trip to the cup final uh, for that team. Uh, he he only recorded an eight and ten record, Joe, that postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost four straight to to um, the Montreal Canadiens in the final after having gone 4-0 and in their playoffs in the Western Conference bracket, which was all expansion teams at the time, mm-hmm. which is kind of a weak setup. Um, so any team that came out of that conference was going to be an underdog to any of the original six teams that might have snuck through on the in the Eastern Conference bracket. But, yeah, the Canadians uh, came in there, and they were rolling. And he had a goaltender named Gump Worsley who was opposing him, who also had, 
you know, he's a 38-year-old goaltender, so a bit younger than Glenn Hall, but he also played eight more years after that, which was incredible uh, considering the time. Um, he went on to play with the North Stars to end his career. Uh, but, he, Joe, he went 11-0 and in the playoffs. Um, the team's only loss uh, was when Rogie Vachon manned the net for a game. Uh, but he only allowed 21 goals in 11 games, and he got snubbed. You know, and it was one of those rare instances. I think I believe one of five times where a losing team player was uh, awarded uh, the Con Smythe, Joe. So, you have any takes or? Yeah, no, I don't. I, I'm right there with you. you. They swept the finals. I know it's the entire playoffs as a whole, but like you said, he didn't lose a game. He had a 9.23 save percentage just in that Cup Finals with a shutout in those four games. I don't. Uh, I think those numbers were better than the numbers that Hall put up, so I'm not sure what the league was doing with that call. Yeah, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of things in sports that, you know, uh, sentimental plays into, and I see it in all four majors. And uh, I'll be talking about that uh, in in some of the uh, future snubs here that we're going to be discussing, but... Uh, yeah, I believe that was the case here. Um, you know, Glenn Hall was a great uh, goaltender. He played with a number of different teams and was always uh, very, very – led him to cups and cup finals. And he's he basically originated the butterfly style. So he was a pioneer in a sense, and I think maybe it was his last hurrah. And, uh, you know, that's what the, the NHL, you know um, – dignitaries uh, saw and uh, maybe they thought it would be a fitting way to send him off so anyway that's uh, that's that snub um, 1968 uh, the second snub I want to discuss and we've discussed the player uh, before um, Butch Goring uh, he was the winner of uh, this 1981 Conn Smythe I believe it was the second in the uh, I believe in a list of four cups for the Islanders in a row. Um, and it was the 1981 New York Islanders. Uh, Butch Goring, a phenomenal player. He had a phenomenal playoff. I believe he scored 20 points, you know, so and basically was a second-line center. He's a solid player, Joe, responsible two-way player. And he scored timely goals in that playoff. There's no doubt about it. And to add an extra boost to his uh, his um, credentials, he was very effective on the penalty kill the whole playoff as well. Now, uh, the people, I believe, the players that got snubbed, there was not just one, there was two. Um, I'll talk about the main snub first. Um, Dennis Potvan, who was also on that team, uh, never won a con Smythe. Um, great two-way defenseman. Um, he all, outscored all the NHL blue liners in the Islanders' first three cup wins. And then he was a second uh, leading scorer in defenseman in their last cup win. But in going back to 1981, um, Dennis had... Uh, 25 points in 18 games, which is a pretty dominant performance from a defenseman. And he was also uh, matched up against the opposing team's best lines night in and night out. So uh, for him to be overlooked, you know, it was uh, 
to me, a first-class snub. Uh, even though I am a Butch Goring fan, I watched that series. I believe I think they beat the North Stars that year. Right. In final, uh, wasn't much of a series in the final. I believe their their tougher matchups were in the conference finals, and you know, but Bossy, another guy on that team, scored 35 points. Joe wasn't even, you know, brought up in the discussion. Maybe he finished third in the in the voting for that. So, you know, I remember those teams, and they were all solid players. Um, normally, did it. By committee, but those are pretty good numbers uh, for a team that was built like that, Joe. Yeah, you mentioned you know Potvin and Bossy. Potvin, he was a plus eighteen in that series, and Bossy, he he's, he scored at a, at a goal a game. He had seventeen goals in in eighteen games, thirty five points. He was also a plus fourteen. So neither of them were giving up anything on the defensive side and, and producing on the offense. So yeah, that's uh. I'd agree with those uh, the snubs there with Goring winning that trophy. Yeah, was a, and there, you know, and you can, you know, you can even argue that Butch Goring was uh, deserving of it because he did score some overtime goals in that series. Um, but it, it it leads me to a question, Joe. Uh, we're going to put a little pause on the on the snubs for a second here. I I got to think in the Con Smythe Trophy. You look at it, and we discuss these snubs and you wonder what the criteria is behind the trophy because sometimes I think it gets lost in translation with people and maybe even the people that vote for the trophy. It's very easy to look look at uh, uh, the final mm-hmm. and, and, and just determine uh, a player's um, you know, worth for a Conn Smythe based on his finals performance only. But... I, I, it begs me to ask the question, is this really a trophy that is gauged by a, a whole body of work throughout a, a playoff season, or is it based on finals only? What, what is your take on that? It's supposed to be the playoff MVP, um, which is why I think and it's only happened a handful of times where you see the the losing team, you know, the the you know, there's a recipient from the Stanley Cup losing team that ends up winning that Conn Smythe. Um, so I think that's why that happens. But yeah, it is supposed to be the full body of playoff work. So essentially, you can play subpar, average in the finals. And if you know, if, if the people voting, I believe it's the Hockey Writers Association uh, that votes on it. If they think that the three the previous three rounds overshadowed what you did in the finals and made up for it, then you can you're still deserving of that trophy. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that uh, uh, the voters didn't get that memo in 1968 when Glenn Hall won it. I mean, the, the goalie that had 10 losses and an under 500 record. So basically, uh, you had to go through, I think, four rounds back then to win it. And uh, I, I think um, he had uh, won the first two series uh, without losing a game. And then evidently he had 10 losses. So I don't know. It's uh, it's it's hard to hard to tell. Actually, it might have been less than four rounds based on those numbers. Yeah, back so, then. I don't, know yeah. Their, I don't know who their backup goalie was. I, I it must it must uh, I, so, I can't remember. For St. Louis. But anyway, yeah, yeah I, I don't know who it was in '68. It but. was. Let me tell you, Sean or Seth Martin. He played two games. Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. Well. 
Uh, what did he do in those games? Looks like he I'm came guessing. on in relief in both those games because he doesn't have any win- wins or losses. He put up uh, an 884 save percentage and a 4.12 goals against average in relief. So, okay. Yeah. Well, let's jump on to 2013. Um, another case here where we had a winner. And this one... This one really, uh, I remember this one, and I, and I didn't think they picked the right winner by a long shot. Okay, it was uh, 2013. You had uh, uh, Chicago. Okay, I, I don't know. I can't I think they played Boston that year, yeah, right? Yes, correct. Okay, well, the, the winner of the trophy was Patrick Kane. Okay, great player, great offensive player. Uh, up until that point, he was always uh, he was always in his career he was a, always an underachiever. Uh, he's all one dimensional player for sure, and he led the Hawks with 19 points in the 23 games they played. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the odd thing about it was he was tied for second in scoring in the playoffs that year, but he was seven back of uh, David Krejci, who played for Boston, mm-hmm. uh, their opponent finals. So. Kane was really only assertive in that series on the offensive side of the puck, which was pretty much his style even in the regular season. You know, and, uh, and according to a couple data store sources that I kind of looked up, I was I was curious to find out how Taze and Hosa played in that series and what their ice times were. And it seems like, like Hosa and Taves were very accountable in that series uh, versus the opponents, uh, top forwards. They also killed a lot of penalties, so they were very instrumental. So to me, either one of those players could have uh, succeeded Kane as a forward uh, to win that trophy. Um, I think the Blackhawks' offense outscored opponents more with Hosa and Taves on the ice than Kane. Uh, it was only by like a couple goals, but but nonetheless, uh, with all those other responsibilities that Hosa and Taze had, that's a pretty telling stat. So I'm not sure Kane was even the best forward on the Hawks, let alone a playoffs most valuable player. Uh, the snub, I, I'm going to say, basically Corey Crawford, the goaltender of that series in playoffs, was uh, you know greatly um, underestimated as far as the Con Smythe goes. He had a Overall, 932 save percentage, which was pretty high for the playoffs, and a 1.84 goals against average, which is pretty crazy. And uh, he had basically out of uh, 21 of the 23 games, he allowed two goals or fewer. Hmm. So stats like that hard to pass up. And uh, even Patrick Kane conceded to uh, reporters. When the series was over, Joel, uh, he didn't think he was a, a, a great pick for that. Um, probably wasn't the wisest selection. So I uh, give him that. And uh, um, do you remember that series at all, Joel? Yeah, you know, I was, I was going to speak to that playoffs. I thought you, I want to give an honorable mention, too, that could have been in that discussion was Brian Bickle. Cause he came out of nowhere that season and was playing phenomenal hockey and scored some some big time goals for them and he did it in a third fourth line role he was one of their top scorers in that playoff i do remember that yes i do now he 
he um he basically got himself a nice contract from that performance. If I yes, he and then did. he had some. I believe then he came down with some rare illness with his uh, balance. I believe right, right, and kind of ended his career. And it, you know, he I believe he had a child shortly after that, and then. Uh, then he was diagnosed with that, and it, it was kind of sad because I believe he tried to play with that disease. And I know because I've had that condition mm-hmm. uh, when I was a kid growing up, and I ended up playing a few games, Joe, when in the Quebec League. I was in the President uh, uh, Quebec Major Junior League Playoff uh, Finals in the for the President Cup, and I played a, a game, um, you know, that we clinched in, and I had that disease, you know, or inner ear infection, but it it's these crystals that are in your ears that break off. They're like little triangles, and they they fall into the the follicles of your ear, and they cause uh, uh, vertigo. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy, Joe, because it's like positional vertigo, so it's it's not the same. So I notice when it comes on because I get a fullness in my left ear. Well, back in the day, I really didn't have a have a uh, a grip on the on what was happening with me and. They used to give me antivert for it, and it would basically, you know, not help it go away. Just over time, the, the crystals would dissolve on their own. But you had head exercises you could do, and I remember picking a puck up along the boards with my, and I, I was trying to fish it out of my feet, and I just got my belt literally rung. It's on. I got got it on tape, <laughs> and the old saying, "You get your bell rung." I actually got my bell rung, so I got carried off. You know, I came back and scored two goals, and that. That game and uh, but yeah, I'll never forget that. So I knew what he was going through. But uh, that's a good call on Bickle though, because he was a he was one of a number of guys that were unsung players uh, on that Chicago team. And actually, when you make a playoff run like that, you're gonna have guys like that. Mm-hmm. But they usually don't win the Con Smythe because they're not they're not the attractive mm-hmm. name. You know what I mean, Joe? Yep. Yeah, that was definitely a a, a unique playoff series because it was. Not not that series, but the whole the entire playoffs as a whole was very low scoring, like you mentioned. So in picking a Con Smythe, you you think you'd either take the leading goal scorer in the playoff because they overcame all that defensive play by all the teams, or a defenseman or a goaltender. So in this case, I think you're right that Corey Crawford's the snub and should have been the easy walk away winner of the trophy that year. Yeah, I'm thinking Corey Crawford. If he yep. that could have really vaulted him as far as a contract too, uh, you know, little things like that really give a goalie a reputation. It did for uh, uh, what's the goalie for uh, Washington? His name escapes me right now. Holtby. Uh, they just won the cup with Holtby. Yeah, I mean, uh, there it vaulted him into an elite status goaltender. Tim Thomas, the same thing for him. Um, you know, so. It's a shame Corey Crawford didn't get that. Uh, at least Patrick Kane acknowledged it, but hey, that's just like kissing your sister, you know. It just doesn't really. <laughs> right. uh, Joe, the next match up here, the next snub I have is uh, is in uh, 2018. I'm gonna go out on a limb and probably upset a few people here, but I'll, the winner of that trophy uh, was sentimental pick to me was Ovechkin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't go wrong. I mean, he, he had 15 goals and 12 assists. He was a plus eight, whereas he normally wasn't that proficient in that particular category through past playoffs, which is why Washington had early exits. Right. Um, 
but he was good in all areas uh, that he normally faltered in, and uh, you know that sentimental thing uh, rang true as he finally won that cup. So it's a no-brainer kind of pick uh, for the press to do that. But to me, there was another player I think got snubbed. His name was uh, uh, Kuznetsov. Yep, I was. Uh, I'll agree with that before you even say anything more. I th- I think that was should have been the pick. But go ahead. Oh, he had a Joe. He had a phenomenal as a centerman. He controlled the flow, and I haven't seen that done uh, in a player in a playoff series since Fedorov. Uh, twelve goals, twenty assists. He was a plus twelve. Uh, the the reason why I put him over Ovechkin was once that Eastern Conference final hit versus Tampa Bay, uh, he amped his game up, um, matching Ovechkin uh, and bettering him in in the series in two of those series, the, the Eastern Conference Finals and the Finals, uh, with points. And he even missed one game. I can't remember what it was for. I think he got hurt. Uh, somebody hit him or something, but uh, and he tweaked something. But uh, but he definitely was controlling the the play on both sides of the puck. And he was, and he was always matched up against uh, the opponent's top uh, top forwards as well. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing uh, taken away from Ovi, but I, I believe Ovechkin uh, Kuznetsov should have won uh, the, the Conn Smythe that year. Yeah, I agree, and I think uh, I think if I let me, I'm going to look that up real quick. He probably got some first place votes, but you I'm weren't, sure weren't going to beat Ovechkin that year. All he had to do was have a good playoff. If they won the Stanley Cup, he oh. was going to win it. You're right. He uh, he's basically had the spotlight on him, and you know that was that was his for the taking. He probably could have had five less goals, and they probably still would have gave it to him. Yeah, he did. Let's see. I got this pop up came up. He received Ovechkin received thirteen of eighteen first place votes, and Kuznetsov yeah. got the other five. Okay. So he did so get five than- first place votes, and then he he almost it was basically vice versa. Then he won thirteen second place votes, and Ovechkin took the other five. Uh, the thing that disappointed me about Kuznetsov, though, I th- I'm thinking in the off season or the following year, he he got caught for substance abuse. Mm-hmm. I believe, you know, that was the report on him. It was cocaine use or something like that. And it was kind of a letdown because you're, you're figuring here, this is a young player. He's coming into his own. And then, right. you know, it, stuff like that has gotten the best of players in the past in any sport. So for a young player like that to fall into that, it, it's a shame. But he's still a talent. And I think he served his suspension and everything. But uh, I don't know how his year was going this year. But uh, hopefully he beat that. Not sure what his point totals were. Do you have that he on? Had, on? Yeah, him? he had he had fifty two points in the sixty three games. It was a minus two. Yeah, that's just not up to his standard. I you, you think a player with how many years in the league now, Joe? That was three. His seventh season. He's twenty seven. Yeah, yeah, he's in his prime. He needs to be popping at least close to a hundred points with his skill set. And being on a team where I'm sure he's uh, seeing some power play time with Backstrom and uh, Ovi, you know, geez, you could get 40 assists a year just on that alone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but anyway, I thought he got snubbed, uh, you know, in that 2018 Cup run, and uh, you know, 
that's that. Uh, going to number five, and I think we'll we'll end it here, Joe. I I uh, don't necessarily. I'm bringing this one up because it's uh, don't necessarily think. I mean, you can go both ways with it, but I guess it's my not buying it moment. And this is where you come in, Joe, with that that little uh, you, you hit the button and I'm not buying it moment, you know that type of thing. Yep. But uh, I'm going to mention the 1984 season, and I'm sure you know know the season I'm talking about, where Wayne Gretzky uh, had 35 points, uh, I think like the second most in uh, playoff history, uh, third most or something. He holds the top three slots. I think he mm-hmm. had a 40 and 41 or something in back in 81 or whatever. But uh, but anyway, um, he got bested by uh, Mark Messier yes. uh, in the voting for the Conn Smythe. What's your take on that, Joe? Messier had 26 points. Gretzky had 35. I have my take on it. And I know and I'm bringing this one up because I remember having a conversation with Gio a while back on Facebook. Uh, he brought, I think he brings this one up all the time, and uh, I had to explain uh, certain aspects to him about why I thought that happened. But I want to see if, uh, if if what you say is kind of what I what I have as a take. Um, yeah, that's it's peculiar too because Gretzky was a, a plus eighteen in that postseason. He scored more even strength goals than than Messier. He had more power play goals. He had more game winning goals. He had uh, more shots, better shooting percentage. You know, he, he bested him in goals and assists. So, if looking at just at at face value from a point side of things, in the high flying eighties, like Gretzky fits all the criteria that it would take to win the Conn Smythe Trophy in a playoff season. Um, you know, Messier getting that nod. Messier, he's he's the guy that you could put out there to shut down the other team's top scorers, so he could play more of that two-way game. He's a you know a grinder, uh, so he could sh- shut the other teams down and and open up some ice you know, for Gretzky and and in the high-flying eighties. If he's out there and still putting up over a point a game, as well as shutting down the other team's top players, then I could see why why the voting went Messier's way over Gretzky in that postseason. Yeah, who did they play that year, Joe? In that finals, um, what year was it? Eighty four. That would have been they. They played the Islanders. Yeah, that was the year they okay. stopped the Isle streak. Okay, that's their first cup then. And, and the thing I remember most about it, and I, I remember the most about that playoff, is uh, is Messier just being possessed. Um, not and, and it was kind of refreshing to see because, like you said, I think the, the high-flying 80s and everything, yeah, it, it, you know, it's predictable to put numbers up. But it was very refreshing to see that the admit the voters basically picked Messier, and here's why they picked them. And Gio, if you're listening, this is why. Watching the playoffs, I saw Messier get in the heads of opposing teams and just take them right out of a series. He did that in every round, including to the veteran Islander team 
who uh, pretty unflappable team with Clark Gillies and Tonelli and Nystrom and and just all these tough-minded individuals. Brian Trottier, even their top players were very potman. They were they were all tough players to get in their head. But you had this player, this young bull, Messier, just charging around the ice, making big hits, being dirty, being legally dirty. And what I mean by that is officials not seeing anything he's doing. Um, basically intimidating and willing his team to win and putting up 26 points in the process. And if I'm not – and correct me if I'm wrong, he had a lot of big goals in that playoff series. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, that superseded the great one and his 35-point, you know, yep. orchestrated brilliance. And it's just – go ahead. No, I was going to say, trying to, I was trying to see if I could find the voting – it doesn't seem to, I can't find the the I first, second, could. and third place votes. Know. Yeah, but I in looking for it, I came across uh, a Bleacher BleacherReport dot com an article they wrote in twenty fourteen of the ten biggest consmoy snubs of all time. Um, right. And number nine is the nineteen eighty four Oilers that so they said is unfortunately for Gretzky, a strong case was made for his second-line center, Mark Messier. Though though Messier was outscored by Gretzky 35-26, to 26, Messier's scoring seemed to occur at more critical times. His, inten- his intense and punishing physical play was also felt to have more than enough value to make up for the gap, and despite the magnitude of the Great One's scoring achievements, the selection of Messier was far from a controversial one. Hardly. And you know what? That's why I'm putting it on here. Not because I I thought Gretzky got snubbed, but it was mainly for a shout-out to Messier and for the voters for for seeing that for what it was and seeing a player like that uh, bringing other categories into the forefront other than the black-and-white scoring statistics that we see. And sometimes we we kind of push to the front as far as a player's dominance. But I'm telling you, uh, Patrick Kane won his because of timely goals as well, and I know Butch Goring did as well. Uh, but the, when Messier's performance is probably the best performance I've ever seen in the playoffs from one player, and that says a lot because a lot of great players who've had great dominating playoff performances, but I'm going to say I've never seen anybody, uh, I guess, you and I, Joe, I'm young. I'm probably old enough to have seen Gordy Howe mm-hmm. uh, play, like, but I've never got to see him in the playoffs at a younger age where he was just dominant. And I'm guessing I got to maybe get a little glimpse of what that might have been like by watching Messier that year. Right. Um, so I got to see Gordy, but later in his career in the wings didn't even sniff the playoffs, you know. Uh, most of those years uh, in his twilight. So, but uh, that being said, Joe, I just want to make sure that we got that one in, and uh, mainly as a as a, an ode uh, to Geo for for bringing that one up, and I hope he enjoyed it. Yeah, so, I'll give I'll give you one more and see what you think okay. about what you think about this one. The uh, would be the 2016 Stanley Cup playoffs. Crosby, well, that, was, that was the first of the back-to-back uh, Penguins 
uh, Stanley Cup wins. So Crosby, right. Crosby was given the MVP, and he was a minus player in that postseason. I know he played over over twenty minutes. He was playing against the other teams' top lines, and that's the year they played San Jose in the finals. And I think San Jose. I think Couture and Pavelski were like the top two goal scorers uh, in that postseason. But that's one that I thought uh, you know, Phil Kessel or even the, the youngster uh, Matt Murray uh, could have had over Crosby. I, th- I think that was another one like Ovechkin where Crosby got the, the benefit of the doubt for, for being Crosby. Yeah, Joe, you know, I'm thinking about that. And wasn't that right around the time when he came back? Uh, that was the year he came back from uh, serious concussions uh, the, the year before. The year before. before. Yeah, it might have been, what did I say, that was 2016. See, yeah. yeah, it was in twenty the 2012-2013 season when okay, he was out. That's the first shift in the cup since he's been back, yep, right? Correct. Concussion. So yep. it could have been maybe a sentimental thing in that regard. But, you know, Sid, the thing with Sid is like, you know, even the year, I think, didn't Malkin win it one year? Yeah, Malkin won it in 09. And I thought Crosby got snubbed there because but he was more of a well-rounded player. But even though Malky, um produced better in the finals mm-hmm. against, you know, I think wasn't it? It was, it was against the Wings, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think Crosby was only like, he had three points that whole series or something, and then the Wings, Zetterberg kind of took him out. Right. Of the of the series point wise, but the the guy always does little things. That's what's good about those players that can still produce and do the little things even when they're not scoring. Um, you know, guys like that are always in the running if they make a long cup run, mm-hmm. and eventually they're going to snap out of it. But you know, when you look up and you you see the point totals. <laughs> They're there, not maybe 35 points there like Gretzky, but I mean, but they're doing all these other little things that could, you know, justify them getting a Con Smythe uh, bid. So that's Crosby. He's always going to be that way if his team makes a, a cup run. Malkin, I'm not so sure. He's he's a guy, especially early in his career, you could take him out of his game, get frustrated easily, start getting an attitude and harbor that spillover attitude on his teammates and. It just be a negative impact, but to me, Crosby is never like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he could get frustrated, but it's never going to keep him from doing things to to help his team win. Right. All right. Well, there we have it. The Con uh, Smythe snubs. Geo, thanks for the topic. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, and you know, as always, everyone, continue to leave us your feedback. If you have any other ideas for topics that we should cover, you know, write to us on our Facebook page, The Lighter Side Pod. Uh, until next time, Joe and Tom, we'll see you back here next time on The Lighter Side.